Modern Problems is the weirdest, off-the-rails, successful Christmas movie of all time, and it was conceived by Ken Shapiro and Doug Kenny, two of the biggest creators of 80s comedy, for better or for worse. And another Chevy Chase movie where he gets the girl and does cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) This is 80s Movies. A guide to what's wrong with your parents. I'm Riley Roberts. And I'm Tara McNamara. Modern Problems is about an air traffic controller whose problems mount when his girlfriend leaves him because of his jealousy. After toxic waste splashes on him, he finds he has the powers to move things with his mind. When toxic masculinity upgrades yeah i mean the toxic waste right it's almost a a perfect metaphor even though the term hadn't been created and actually uh you know i'm really okay so this is not a great movie it's a memorable movie though it's a if you've seen it it is memorable it has very memorable moments but i uh I think it's kind of fascinating because I so I'm like, how deep should I dig on the character development here in such a clearly kind of half-ass written film? <laughs> but I think it's fascinating because I think that this film is basically that line that we've been talking about um, where toxic masculinity starts arising. Um, you know, what we see, this this is the the most descriptive example I have. At some point, Chevy Chase was asked about his character. Um, And he said, Max Fielder is basically a nice guy who suffers from most of the hangups of our society. He's jealous, possessive, uptight, and insecure, but he can't verbalize those feelings. So he's got a lot of repressed rage. And so I think, and then you think about through the movie, how they talks about how there's a monster inside of me, right? That he's trying to keep down. And, and uh, you know, and that's the whole point of Dabney Coleman's, uh, author, you know, this blowhard, you know, would definitely be a, a, a radio talk host kind of character now, um, uh, who's, you know, telling a therapist who's telling men, you know, what's wrong with them and, and you know, and, and, and is just like so arrogant and pushy and makes people do what he wants and then turns around and makes them feel insecure about themselves. Um, I, I, you know, but him saying things like, I, what is, I mean, what was the line? It was so great. Um, I don't want you to do this because you're weak. I want you to do this because you know I'm right. <laughs> yeah, that made me want to punch that guy in the face so I, much. I love that that uh, Max, Chevy Chase, just stares at him, just stares at him after he says that. But it's, as an audience, you it lets it really sink in, you know, to what he just said to him. And I, and I think that is the premise of the film, of this guy who is stuck in between these worlds. The world is shifting very quickly. Men had been raised to think that, okay, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna grow up and I'm going to get a job and I will get a wife and I will have kids and my wife will do what I ask her to do and she will make the food and she will, you know, take care of the home and I will go out with the guys at night and, you know, this is, this will be my life. And then women, you know, in the, in the 70s said, wait a second, no, we're not doing that anymore. I don't know who thought of that, we don't have to do it. We're not doing it. And guys were like, what? And so it really left guys kind of scrambling, trying to figure out what their role was. How do I act? And and I think you really see that in this movie. Because at first I was super offended, and I, I still am, um, <laughs> <laughs> that he's, you know, that, that he's got, there's two female characters here, right? And they are the second and third leads. Mm-hmm. You have um, Lorraine. And Darcy, his yes. girlfriend and his ex-wife, who's still in his life. Yeah. 
I want that backstory, first of all. Oh, yeah. Me too. Second of all, he did not, he just didn't treat her like his ex-wife. I don't know. But, um... I think this is part of what we're supposed to understand about the shifty. I mean, I think that's what we look now. I want to spend more time. I spent... 24 hours since we saw this, just digging and trying to find more Well, I didn't know more this, so now I'm confused. Now you're, like, you're putting this whole other point that I, I just thought this was a stupid fucking Chevy Chase film. Well, it is. I mean, I, it like, is. I, think you're, over... I don't think Chevy Chase or, or the person... Well, I guess who directed this? Who well, it? so this is part of the dilemma with this film. Knowing that this is from Ken Shapiro and Doug Kenny. So Doug Kenny is, is the National Lampoon creator. The yeah. guy who is the cause exactly. of all the 80s films that wind up you know going from like changing all the dynamics for women right yes. like all of that is it starts with Doug Kenny and why what <laughs> i'm just saying why well be, well because <laughs> well i know that men just flock to all of his movies i understand well he that. didn't have that many cuz he died pretty early on but he he created national lampoon and made a mark you know like national lampoon was as we've talked about uh going through you know it was really created in the in the 70s uh in the late 60s and it, it at least as it exists, since it went from the Harvard Lampoon to National Lampoon, and it just was so offensive. Like, it was, because there were this time where people didn't trust anything, and they didn't like authority, they didn't like anyone telling them that this is the way it, it has been, because they were, they realized we're always being lied to, we're being misled. This, this world that we've all grown up to be in is messed up, and why should I respect it? And so all of the comedy in the Harvard Lampoon, which became the National Lampoon, was you know, very disrespectful, very anti-authority, anti-everything. Anything you thought was, like, everything, it was tasteless, okay? It It was completely tasteless. But people embraced that and laughed at it because they're like I'm tired of living in these norms I'm tired of the way it's been and so that was his reaction so initially it was kind of fresh and innovative but it as time wears on it starts to really become I'm so lost (laughs) (laughs) it just starts to become as it gets piled on but but we see Animal House right and that's a great success and because Animal House is such a success which is you know, there, there's nothing sacred, right? That's what Animal House is. There's nothing sacred. Ever, we are going to do everything, you know, your professors, your, you know, the police, authority, military, uh, you know, rich guys, I don't know, women. Like, there's nothing we're going to respect. They, they dealt an equal hand to everybody. And then they just only kept the, we're just going to disrespect women. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it seems like it. There weren't, uh, I mean, I think. And minorities. Well, right. I think there's some uh, uh, racial stuff. I, I don't know that it's so racist. It's just, like, not inclusive, though, yeah. at the same time. Now, and on the other hand, you're like, maybe it's good that it wasn't inclusive because it was pretty offensive. Yeah. You know, like, just leave them out of it. Um, but bad enough. <laughs> So, so Doug Kenny really had very little to do with this film because he had already died. He came up with the concept that they, and then Ken Shapiro, who was also very instrumental in creating 80s comedy, he did a um, show with Chevy Chase pre-SNL called Channel One in New York. It was sketch comedy. It was influential on SNL. And, um, and so it was, it was very similar. And then he made a movie called the groove tube with Chevy chase. And, and it was again, like this kind of offensive, anti-authoritarian, anti-everything kind of film. It was making fun of, 
uh, of television and upending all the norms on television and things that we see. But regardless, I may be overthinking this, (laughs) but... Slightly, slightly. I really don't think that they were thinking there was a shift in the 70s. Well, they weren't saying that because they were living it, though. That's my point. They weren't thinking about it because they were living it. I guess so, I guess And remember, this is also where this is, you know, Woody Allen movies are big at this point. Woody Allen is all about, you know, these were when people went to go see analysts, you know, therapists, where they started getting very you know, concerned about the way they are interacting with the world and how it affects them and doing, you know, going deep within themselves. And this is the me generation and everybody was doing all of that. So you can see the threads of that in this not good yet memorable movie. (laughs) Yes, you're right. And, And so that's what I think is interesting. And I think Dabney Coleman's character, who is so offensive, you know, deliberately offensive. I mean, he is... Everything. I mean, he's offensive to everybody because of his arrogance. But you know, the way he treats Dorita, you know, comes in and smacks her on the butt and says firm, you know, about her, and then asks where her love potion is for him. And the way I feel like we saw every single type of toxic masculinity guy in this movie. We have the <laughs> jealous. We've Max, the jealous boyfriend. Oh my god, my my girlfriend left me. Uh-huh. I'm gonna kill myself, kind of shit. And then you have that dude, the arrogant white guy who's yes. just a dick to everybody because he's rich and he's entitled and then and he's the guy we're trying to get rid of still today yeah and then there was a third guy uh the uh, the guy that's dating darcy brian no he, the guy who's oh the guy is okay. trying to date darcy yeah Barry. His, yes he is the friend who's trying to manipulate darcy into dating him i know we both we all know okay so darcy obviously does not have any daddy issues because she wouldn't have seen the jealousy coming off of max and had the audacity to break up with him in the first place second of all she turned down mr big nose bald guy and then and then went back to but went back to max but like still. <laughs> yeah she still had the good balls. Uh-huh. It's ba- at this point in time, she has balls to say no uh-huh. because of the era we're in. Uh-huh. So, but like we know, she's not doesn't have dead issues and is not done. Yeah, with relationships. Yeah, but I think we do see literally every single type of toxic masculinity guy. We even see the military guy with PTSD in there. Yeah, who just. Why didn't does he not speak up for anybody? Why does he say, Max, you cannot like let's have let's not invite Max over anymore when I'm pretty sure the other the arrogant piece of shit right. was the one who really caused everything. Right. Max just reacted because he was being a dick. Yeah, as you should. Right, right. So in that moment, when Max was going crazy, I low key was on his side. <laughs> well, so this was the th- well. I think you're supposed to be. I think that's the point. You, you, he is. He is the hero of the movie. He's going through modern problems, and you're sympathizing with him because all of these other things in his life are mounting. And even though, you know, no, he's he's not in Vietnam having to fight a war right now. He's not in a third world country trying to survive. He's not. You know, there's a million other things that are much worse. Okay, this is first world modern problems. But I'm trying to figure out how to be a man in this new world. And I think part of the idea is that he's such a good friend with his ex-wife, who likes him, and it's just like, oh, he's a prince, and he, you know, thinks he's a frog. And you're like, well, why did you break up? The only thing I know, the backstory I need more of why he's jealous. And the only thing I can think of is that Lorraine cheated on him, which is why he's still so attached to her too. Yeah. And then, she she went 
oh, that might have been something, like, why the guy in the wheelchair kept being like, are you sure you're okay with this? Are you sure you're okay with this? But, yeah, by the way, he says, oh, you know, I boffed Lorraine (laughs) last night. I mean, and then, oh, you know, okay, but this isn't about me shtooping your Uh, ex-wife. And I was just like, I know, guys talk like that, I guess. Like, do (laughs) you guys not feel hurt? (laughs) When I, that happens. But I think that's part of what we're supposed to understand about Max is that he has to take all of these things. Like, okay, in this new world, I'm now I'm going to be friends with my ex-wife. And I have to be okay with the fact that my girlfriend is out late at all hours with these clients. And I have to accept that my friend is now sleeping with my ex-wife. Uh, you know, I, and in, in fact, I'm so okay with it, I'm going to go to their house. I think it's just, I think well, that's part okay. of what we're supposed to understand about the character trying to figure out like, and with Dabney Coleman's character with uh, Mark Winslow, the author in his face being basically challenging him to be more of a man and to stop being a schmuck, you know, is, is what he says. I don't like this movie just because it's making me think like a book would like <laughs> when I read a book in English class, I'll read it. And I'm like, yeah, scene cool and then my English should be like what's 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 the point what's what is the point we're like uh and then like I see what you're saying now but yeah. when I watched that I did not get that <laughs> that's yeah. not what I got no I didn't either it wasn't till I, I was started... like why is he pissed off right now when they went up there I was like why is he mad like why is he acting like a little bitch to be honest yeah I, and I was sympathizing with him but at the same time I was like why are you yeah, acting like that? Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying, though, that while I don't think we should overthink this movie, I am overthinking this movie because I, I believe that there's a nugget that we but can But we should get. not give Chevy Chase this nugget. <laughs> this man know. does not deserve this nugget. I know everybody By the way, listeners, listeners, I know you guys must, you guys are all 80s people, so I know you love Chevy Chase, but why do we like him? Why? I really don't know. <laughs> I don't find him that funny. The only movie I find him funny in is Vacation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the only one I find him funny I lo- in. I know. I mean, I definitely have and read all the articles. <laughs> I have read all the articles that definitely confirm that he's factually an asshole. Um, but, you know, I do enjoy Fletch, and I do enjoy his persona. But, you know, but here's actually something really interesting, too. And I'm, I read, I got this off a comment from an interview that he did on YouTube, right? Like some ancient thing that somebody said. And I was like, you're right. And they mentioned how uncomfortable he is in his own skin. And I thought, you know, compare that to Eddie Murphy, really. Like compare the characters you see. I mean, in Fletch, he's pretty confident. But in most of the films, in Vacation and everything, he's sort of this guy who's who 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 is kind of falling off a balance beam who's trying and just isn't quite you know succeeding and um and compare that to Eddie Murphy and everything we see him in where he's just oozing confidence you know where it's like like radiating off the screen and i thought about that and i thought yeah you know there is i mean Chevy Chase as he was the winner. I don't want to be. I don't want to be an apologist for someone who has clearly, you know, upset everyone he's ever worked with because he's such a jerk. Um, but he does does seem that he has a very complicated life story. I mean, I don't need to go into all of it, but he basically 
had very rich parents uh, and but who abused him and he was abused and they must have lived somewhere rich but near Harlem and he was he was stabbed um I, I don't know he's <laughs> he's got a very complicated past that I and so I, I guess everybody does but at the end of the day it doesn't at the end of the day just because you have trauma doesn't mean you can be a dick because of it I know so we're gonna love the art and we're gonna love the art but put not a the question artist. mark on the artist but pushing through just to talk so about let's modern bring problems. up the racism <laughs> Uh, yeah. So you want to start the first thing you, like, not the opening scene, but soon after you. What's Miss Girl's name? Um, what, Dorita? Uh, Dorita? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she had to be from Haiti <laughs> and do voodoo. It. That's it. You just need, you, all you need to know is who she is, and, like, that's it. I mean, it's like you, <laughs> you have one black person. Else. <laughs> you have one black person in the movie. Well, they did, the... I did notice they had one, they had one black person in the ballet. One oh, black boy. Okay, good. And so I was like, oh. Be- by the way, that w- one other. <laughs> the, that's a real, those, those, that was, uh, I think it's the New York Ballet, but it it, it was a uh, a real ballet company, so maybe that's they, probably didn't, why. they didn't have an option. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're going to take it and you're fucking leave it. Yeah, I was also wondering, is this movie racist or not? Um, I mean, obviously the opening scene you caught as soon as it happened Who's key in the car? It's the Latino and the black kid. Yep. Nobody white there uh, at, hanging out at, at JFK. Um, <laughs> and then there really isn't anybody else of color uh, that, that has a speaking part. Nope. Except for the maid, who's from Haiti. Now, I get that we have to have someone do voodoo because that's part of the storyline. It Did it have to be voodoo? There's plenty <laughs> of other cultures that have, you know. I think I mean, there was I mean, a bit of a fascination with voodoo and, and Haiti at this time. There's a movie that come, came out in the 80s, The Serpent and the Rainbow, uh, that I really want to watch with you. I watched it a million times when I was a teenager. Um, but it, And it also deals with voodoo in Haiti. And so I think maybe there was something in the ether about it at the time. Um, but, yeah, so you've got that going on. Um, I feel like they said something... I feel I like can't remember it, but I feel like there was a sentence mm-hmm. that had like something the loaded, J, the J word or something like that. Mm, okay, I something like that. <laughs> I feel like I heard that. If I didn't, maybe I'm wrong. Well, but I feel like little... I heard something along those lines. Well, I feel this movie has a little of everything, right? There's a there's it's all it's just really you're you're I don't know if you're totally cringing but you're about to cringe the whole movie right literally so. <laughs> when literally when the wheelchair guy comes up um which first of all Dorita has like no speaking parts in the beginning as well oh she just says she's walking Hi. through the park yeah but she's just helping just him. saying mm-hmm. just pointing it out mm-hmm. um <laughs> second of all uh he the military guy I don't know his name but Brian Doyle Murray's character, yeah. He said, and we're not quite sure what he said. Yeah. <laughs> but from what I heard, which would make the most sense, speaking that the military has been heard to do this, he said something like, um, oh yeah, I was loving this little Vietnam Viet- girl. I was loving this little girl. Yeah, f- like in, Nam. In Vietnam, in, in her tent or something, something like in her hut in her yeah and he lit a cigarette and kaboom everything exploded and now he's 
his legs are gone. Where's the little girl? <laughs> right. Where's the little girl? Right. Never heard about that. And by the way, who? Why are and you then, in bed with a little girl? Well, how little are we talking? We don't need to know the context. We no. know we know what is happening. Yeah. We don't need to know the context. I mean, this is... And he said he was loving her. Right. He didn't say, I was seeing if this little girl was okay and if she needed my help. He said, I was in her uh-huh. hut sleeping and I lit a match and bombs in her hut. Right. <laughs> yeah. First of all. I know. So it's like... Second of all... Like, just some random pedophilia just thrown out there. And then they all go, ah, ha, 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 ha. Oh, And yeah. then Lorraine goes... Hey, um, I'm kind of into him. <laughs> I know. It's like, what? do you mind if I sit on his wheelchair lap? <laughs> it was bizarre. I know. They're like, that's I'm normal. Just, that's and like, you're also going from Chevy Chase to like. Well, and so this is again where I have mixed feelings about this <laughs> film because when he says I was loving this little girl and then explosives and then, you know, and then Lorraine cracked a joke about, you know, oh, don't you always want fireworks after sex? And yeah, see, exactly. You didn't even need to know the context to know what was happening. And, <laughs> and just I, literally gave it away. Yeah. You're like, okay, that wasn't a deterrent that he was... I mean, unless little girl was a term that maybe... I don't... No, it's I not, can't. It should not I can't, be. I can't, if I can't you, even if it a, is, that is pedophilia, period. <laughs> I can't find an okay <laughs> little way. little girl is any type of sex language, that should <laughs> never be used in sex. No. Okay, so then, but then Daddy the part, already makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, Daddy makes me uncomfortable, too. All right, and then, um, okay, but here's why I'm torn about this character. So while he says that, and that's gross, and nobody else seems to have a problem with it, which makes me think maybe we're misinterpreting it because why doesn't anyone else have a problem with this? But then the fact that the guy in the wheelchair, the guy with the disability, is, you know, charismatic, cool, successful... Um, he's the one who has the beach house, he's sexually appealing, all of these things, that that's a very positive portrayal that you rarely see in film. And so I'm, I feel very excited about that portion of the movie. Now, people who are um, activists for the disabled would say that that is, you know, why didn't you have an actor who actually is in a wheelchair play that part? Or... But... Still, I'll take it where I can get it, that we have a, a positive portrayal. I feel like, yes, we can take it where we can get it, especially in this time. But I feel like nowadays, like, this would be crap. Like, I want I want someone who was born mm-hmm. <laughs> like that and not someone who raped a little girl and then became disabled. Like, you deserve right, to be right. disabled well, at that point. <laughs> right. I mean, that's you know kind of what I, mean. I thought, too. I was like, if that's what he means, that sounds like karma. And maybe we're all like that. Maybe that's why we're laughing at it. Ha ha. You got what you deserve. Let's move on. And let's and let's <laughs> get let that karma go away. Let me just give you like the whole my whole life. Like, whatever. Yeah. Anyways. Um. Okay, then there's the cocaine. And by the way, this is part of the rabbit hole I went down last night uh, because you had said, is, wasn't Chevy Chase a big cokehead? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, I know SNL in the 70s. There's a lot of cocaine going on. You got it. Um, <laughs> definitely there was Chevy Chase and cocaine, I think, did have a relationship. Uh, but fascinatingly, I found this old interview by Dick Cavett where he randomly, out of the blue, and if you want to show how interviews have changed, asked him about those L.A. cocaine parties. <laughs> and Chevy Chase is like, tries to 
kind of push the pressure off him. And then someone said in the comments, and, you know, I can't really necessarily always recognize when someone's on drugs, but they said he was, like, clearly super high. But I I didn't – I couldn't tell. Um, So, anyway, yes. So – but definitely – we definitely know that that the guys who – you know, worked on these kind of comedy in the film and John Belushi and, you know, which is part of this crew, they were doing all kinds of coke. So Chevy Chase knew how to do cocaine, you know, and he was not, he, it was not a, a stranger to him. I mean, if we're going back to Caddyshack, you said Doug wrote them? Doug Kenny. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> right. So, um, but that I feel last... like they had to honor him. They so were this... probably like, we have to honor you with one scene uh-huh. of, me, of Chevy Chase doing cocaine in a movie. <laughs> legal um right the demon powder uh so and let's talk about that quickly that so he gets toxic waste which was also very of the 80s nuclear waste was a concern was you know and the air traffic controllers the air traffic controller strike uh that really just kind of stopped everything for a while in america um i mean i was very young but i remember this going on happened while they were shooting this film so this was all very very topical stuff but he gets toxic waste on him, gets powers of telekinesis, another thing that they were fascinated with in the late 70s and early 80s. With fascinated. Terrible Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, special effects. You could see the strings. You're like, there's the strings right there uh, on Daphne Coleman as they're about to spin him around. And then, um, okay, so they have all of that ends with that he, you know, he becomes a demon somehow from. Like, he literally has a demon inside him from the toxic sludge. So that's weird. That doesn't make any sense. But okay. But here's the crazy thing. This was a PG movie released on Christmas Day. And it starts out with a Merry Christmas sign, which they never refer to again. You never see anything about it being Christmas after it opens with a Merry Christmas sign. Merry Christmas from LAX at the JFK Air Traffic Controller um, headquarters. (laughs) Yep. Never so this, hear of it again. So this is a Christmas movie, maybe, up for debate. I feel, is it, Chevy Chase in his Christmas movies. Yeah, I know. I was like, why isn't he more recognized for being the Christmas guy? He, he has- really is the Christmas guy. <laughs> I swear to God, he is. Like, I feel like uh, Scrooge, yeah. what's his name, tried to swoop that away from him. Yeah, and he was worry, like, but- no, no, no. <laughs> I got another one. I'm just going to release it on Christmas Day and have it to do nothing with Christmas. Yeah, I want to beat you. And they knew for a long time, in, in the information I found, they did know for a long time that it was going to be released on Christmas Day. So what that means, the fact that this was a PG Christmas Day release, meant that this is a film that they anticipated that families would go to. This is a Christmas strategy that you put out films that you expect extended families to go to. Now, maybe in 1980, you weren't going to take a six-year-old to see it. No, but maybe would. you were. I mean, you, you know, would. there were a lot of parents who probably, <laughs> probably would. <laughs> but regardless, you were definitely going to go with grandma and the 10-year-old. And, you know, this is a film we were all going to see together. And that's pretty messed up when you think about that. Um, it was apparently rated R. And the studio, um, 20th Century Fox, like, pulled it back. because, And they cut a whole bunch of stuff so it could get a PG rating, which is the the producers and um, directors say that's why it's not as funny and things aren't as good because they cut out a lot of the what they think is the funniest parts, which would be the most offensive parts. <laughs> I mean, I kind of almost want to see the Modern Problems director's cut um, <laughs> to see what it was going to be. That was definitely racist. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. I don't even need to watch that. 
but I just think that that's really fascinating. And so then, and then I want to go back to this idea. So now thinking that, okay, this is PG. So this is a movie that kids are going to see, especially knowing it was a Christmas Day film. Because I can go, okay, you know, the homophobia that we see in the gay club, right? And you see all these things that are, you know, we, we see stuff in here. If this was a rated R movie, you'd be like, okay, adults could see this. They can see that, they could see that, that the homophobia belonged only to Max, right? He was worried. He was insecure. He was threatened with his masculinity. They might be able to read into that because no one else seemed to really care. Barry didn't care. You know, uh, his friend, the publisher, didn't care. Like, nobody had a problem with the gay club, just Max. But if you think about this being, like, younger, like, teenagers and stuff seeing this film and their interpretation of, oh, here's these gay men and they're leering at you and, you know, you feel uncomfortable. Which I also thought, how fascinating that, of course, we see Darcy walking through and um, Darcy and uh, uh, Lorraine walking through. To me, it was a comparison. This is what women always feel like, that guys are leering at them, that this is, you know, that when they go into a club, there's kind of predators everywhere and of course you hope to meet some people to talk to but you also have to fend off others and and I thought that's a kind of would have been an astute comparison if they went there but they didn't um but great to go to a gay club in the 80s (laughs) yeah I think it'd be really fascinating um but then you know and then we get back to the part that really bothers me that the two women's purpose in this film who were the two the second and third you know Leads. leads They have no, we know nothing about them. Nope. They are just exist in this film to either support or upset Max. That's so. it. They're only, they only exist for, for, for his, you know, his, his story, his purpose. We don't know anything about Darcy. What does Darcy see in Max in the first place? I don't know. I mean, and at the end, she follows him up onto the, uh, you know, up what, into the what did TV they solve? Ante- the TV antenna say, I love you. I, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't be up here. You know, and he, right? And it, like her whole, like she's risking his her life to go after him. And she keeps having to coddle him. And are you okay? And, you know, you broke up with him for a reason. He he was spying he's a baby. on you. <laughs> well, he was spying on her. I mean, the things that she said that he did were the real problem. And this, I mean, I think it's. Um, kind of interesting that you said I was rooting for Max while he was doing these terrible things to our our villain of the film. But you had sent me something from TikTok recently about who's the real villain of this movie and that we watch movies uh, and we accept the protagonist's um, circumstances and right. we root for the protagonist, not realizing that their behavior is can be you know, is not acceptable. And there's a lot of ways here where Max is not acceptable. I mean, I mean, listen, yes, Barry is trying to get with Darcy. This is a classic guy move, right? And girls do it too. You befriend them. You hope to one day get out of the friend zone. (laughs) But, you know, Barry has blood spurting out of his nose. I mean, I actually thought Barry coming over and talking. No, you didn't think at the restaurant when he said, hey, we're just friends. That's all we are. I'm just letting you know I'm here. You know, he, yes, he wants to get with her, but she, and she's, she's not with him. She doesn't want to be with him. She's making it clear she doesn't want to be with him. Okay. You think different. No, he's a, he's gross. He's trying to manipulate his way into her bed. 
Okay. He was like, please, let me come up with you. I just had a really terrible night. I just had a really bad night tonight. Just let me come up with you. Oh, you're right. Does that not sound super fucking gross? Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, I just said, I guess. And then when after he leaves the table and, no, he straight up tells Max, like, I'm going to try and get her. He did? Yeah. He said something like that and then gave him a look. And then when he sat down next to her, or no, he said, maybe you could do this so that you will, like, get away from her and uh-huh. you, you'll leave her alone so she can start her new life basically oh, is what yeah. he was saying and then yeah. he was like saying that and then he goes over to her and places his hand on hers and then she like was like ew what the fuck yeah get off of me well they're friends and then went to the bathroom right. no well, she your thinks, friends don't do she that. thinks they're friends right she's spending time with him she thinks they're friends yeah, and i don't she's, know why and she's, she's also being with clear with him she has, we see that she is and has been clear with him that they are just friends I and know. that's all they're going to be. I know. <laughs> I'm not hating on Darcy. I'm hating on him. She okay. made it clear multiple times. We are just friends. We are just friends. We are just okay. friends. Okay, fair. And then he invites her to the ballet and he brings her as his date and they sit in that booth yes. together and he keeps touching her leg like this and Meg... That's the reason Max does everything is because he keep, like he keeps touching her and yeah. he brought her there as like like the president's date or something. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. In a theater. Yeah. In well, a theater saw... box. So, um, but what did the poor ballet dancer do to deserve having his I'm not testicles sa- blow up? I once again, I'm not defending Max either. I'm just. I'm just stating the fact that yes. Max only did that because well, he's he jealous. was being a douchebag. Well, yes, but he was right. being a douchebag at this moment. Like, yeah, the, the okay, being a douchebag. Okay, yes. he doesn't do anything until he's a douchebag, and then he makes his nose bleed, and then yeah. he ruins his play. Like, yeah, but he also does something things that are like very minimalistic, like. Like, anybody could have fucked that up, you know? Like, you you could randomly get a nosebleed, like, whatever. He yeah. wasn't in pain. He didn't give him cancer. Right. True, <laughs> He true. just made his nosebleed hella. Like, that yeah. happen- That literally happens. Like, yeah. if you cut yourself and the blood just starts spewing. I saw it on iCarly when I was little. That's, like, an actual thing. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm serious. It's, okay. like, an actual thing. I don't know about your nose, but it can happen on your finger, so. Okay. Okay. Um... But he deserved it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. He was one of the worst. Honestly, I I don't know. Because I'm just used to emotional man- manipulation at this point. So I'm like, oh, Max, right. Uh-huh. Right. But I hate the guy that was trying to get with Darcy. Yeah, yeah. What was his name? Barry. Ba- that disgusting name. Yeah. Disgusting. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> but in the meantime, Darcy bald. is just... Darcy's got a handle on everything. Not even full She's... bald. Half bald. That's the... I, my hairline is gone bald. Yeah. I didn't choose this look bald. This look chose me. Right, right. We And we hadn't arrived at a point where men would just shave their heads. Yes. And just be like, I'm just going to shave it. We're just going to accept fate and clean it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> shave the whole thing off at that point. Why keep the rest of it? The film's a mess. I mean, I don't think there's any disagreeing. But, you know, again, there's these huge scenes this is something we've talked about in the past that we start to see really happen in the early eighties where as far as movie studios were concerned, they really didn't care about the story or the plot. What they cared about is that you had these huge scenes that were hilarious and people would remember. So you've got the ballet scene, 
You have the scene with the bloody nose in the restaurant. You have the snorting cocaine and all the stuff, you know, of spinning the author around in a circle uh, and the, you know, snorting cocaine. And I like it, you know, (laughs) and you had these four moments, which is what they want, that people would walk out of the theater talking about and then their friends would go see it. And that is why this was a box office hit. And Chevy Chase. Yeah. Well, he wasn't a guaranteed hit machine, so... Really? No, he wasn't. Sad for him, but no. He had he had hits, but they weren't all hits. <laughs> they weren't all hits. Um, all right. This is 80s Movie Guide. Oh, you gotta do as well as your parents. I'm Riley Roberts. <laughs> I'm Tara McNamara, and you can find us on social media at 80s Movie Guide and our website... 80 smovieguidecom Pretty clear. All right. <laughs> Thanks. Have a good one. Hi. Yeah!